Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferny. I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, a new listener and a new... Oh boy, this prompt is out there. Very excited to get into it today. Uh, this new prompt is coming from a new listener or new uh, first-time submitter, I suppose. Orlando with the prompt, a world where different subgenres of steampunk have different sections for them. Tenet number one, it has to have the same continents as Earth, but you can change the names. It also has to have cities on boats and balloons with airships in the mix as well. I mean, that's kind of in there with like the punk genre, but yeah, I, I gotcha. It has to have a mixture of solar, steam, and bread punk. Uh, I had to email back and inquire as to what bread punk is because I had never heard of it, nor could I find any trace of it in mm-hmm. Courtney as well mm-hmm. uh, when Googling. Uh, so according to Orlando, this bread punk is basically a meme genre of the punk subgenre. So we're, we're going with that. Uh, and tenant number three. It has to have elves, dwarves, orcs, goblins, half-orcs, and humans with casual fantasy creatures and cryptids thrown in the mix as well. Uh, And there is a PS, which is we also have to have a magic system based around the elements. So with all that, remember that if you want us to build your world, like we're doing with Orlando is here, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com. Click on the link. Follow the instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to follow us on social media, we're over on Twitter, at Let's World Build. If you want to come join our Discord and chat with us about what Breadpunk is or is not, by all means, click on the link in the description and come chat with us about that. And of course, if you're feeling particularly generous or you just want access to our sweet, sweet Patreon-only goodies like double episode length for patrons, you can go to our Patreon and donate us money there. It, I mean, no no pressure. You, you can, but, you know, it's fine. And with all that shilling out of the way, let's go ahead and jump right into it. So we've got a very unique prompt with this one. And Daniel, why don't you get us started today? Okay. Um, since there's so many random things happening in this prompt, um, <laughs> I had the idea of giving us a vehicle for that. Um, this world, which it, it apparently is a version of our world, sits on top of a, or maybe it's hidden, I guess, since it is our world, sits on top of a giant mechanical clock face um, that turns. Hmm. And as it turns, it shifts the errors of the world through time. Ooh, I like that a lot, actually. That's super fun. There you go. Uh, like so, so it's like the same thing, and it's just like a, a, a dramatic shift. Yeah. But it's like okay. So how does this shift work exactly? Because I'm assuming that the same character is going to experience that shift. Like I'm walking down the street and I'm dressed in Victorian garb one moment, and then in the next, I'm dressed as like a cowboy or something like that, right? I have no idea, but I like that. <laughs> okay, great. Because, because I'm assuming that people just don't die in yes. the middle of this era shift. <laughs> yeah, I, I and it's, like, it's the same person, but shifted into a different era, That's, right? That sounds great to me. Okay. Hmm. Be- because otherwise, it's like I'm walking down the street. <laughs> die, everyone dies. And it just immediately <laughs> fucking die, right? Everyone like, fucking dies. <laughs> yeah, so like that. that's kind of, uh, you know, that could be technically problematic. I yeah, think. that could so, be troubling, yeah. So yeah, if, you, exactly. if you travel counterclockwise, can you go back in time? Hell yes. We're going to have to get into that. <laughs> also, the fact that it's on a big uh, clock face is very uh, steampunk. So very, I very yeah. much appreciate that. Yeah. Thinking like turtle, you know, like in place of a turtle, the world is actually on the back of a clock face. Yeah, like a Terry Pratchett mm-hmm. style yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm also thinking, right, like what happens if someone gets shot and then the time shifts and it's like oh, now sweet. they get like, or like there's an arrow mid flight and then it like click. Shift that could so like, be a cinematic moment. Uh, that yeah. would be hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Or it's like, oh, I got shot. And then the time shift, and there's just a fucking javelin sticking out of you or something like that, you know? <laughs> like, the, the, these are the things that I'm thinking, like, okay. Or, yeah, there, there's a lot. There's a lot that we can consider here. 
but uh, I, I really do like that. Deal. I like That's that a really great place to start for sure. So Courtney, why don't you hit us with your first tenant? Now, because we're, we're just rocking through these right now. Yeah. I appreciate it. So Courtney, hit, hit us with yours. What you got? So to explain my thinking here. Oh, got, Lord. Oh, <laughs> Lord. Okay. We've got steampunk, which often has like Victorian and pre-Victorian vibes to it. And we've got bread punk, which I still don't know if it's like a legit thing, but I'll accept it. So bread equals baking. And you smash yes, those two typically. together. And we've got a slice of life story following oh. Jane Austen style characters who are trying to master their baked goods to enjoy at high tea. That is a hyper specific tenet. And wow. I'm so here for it. Yeah. That's, that's like, I don't really care about like wars and grand politics in the setting. I just want, oh, hell yes. I just want like an orcish Elizabeth Bennett, like working orcish. on a scone recipe. Okay. 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 This is, that is really fucking good. I love that so much. Thank you. Um, okay. L let's, let's kind of break this down a little bit mm. because this so all of the all of the like setting and stuff like that. The core of your tenet is that you wanted to be slice of life, correct? Yeah, like a a lower lower key, uh, lower stakes type of thing. Gotcha. Okay, that I can definitely work with, um, especially when we add in like the element system, because I imagine that these bakers are also going to be like, you know, using elemental magic and stuff like that. And so yeah, way, right? yeah, I was yeah. thinking that the element or magic could definitely play a big role in in baking and like mm -hmm. what the outcomes of the food will be and how they'll affect you and stuff like that. Or or sabotaging your opponent's baked uh, bread yeah. or baking and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, oh, why didn't my bread rise? And then you realize that because your opponent like iced over the chimney that you were like the, the <laughs> ventilation that you had. So it like didn't mm -hmm. move for something like that. Yeah. That works Love it. Love remarkably it. well. So I'm going to I'm going to get a double header in with my tenants mm -hmm. because I feel like one they work remarkably well in uh, uh, together and two I think that I, I have an idea for what I want to do here. So number one, as soon as Orlando mentioned cryptids, I'm like, oh my god, yes, this is exactly what I want to do and focus on. So while elves, dwarves, etc., all exist. The main characters in our setting or the main like focus is going to be on the cryptids. I want to focus on chupacabras, on yetis, I'm sorry, big feet, I guess. And like all of the weirdo cryptid stuff, like those are our main characters. And as a result of that, this, um, this kind of uh, double world exists where there exists like the normal world and then there's the cryptid world that is like hidden. And considering that we're making it slice of life, I love the fact that we're doing like Yeti Bake Off basically, mm, right? Um, or, or, or This is now the great off. Yeti Bake Off. I, I think, again, go with the alliteration, great Bigfoot Bake Off. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I, I think that's what we got to go with. And uh, my second tenet, because I, I had these ideas in the first place, and this is kind of working out anyway. This is going to be the hardest tenet I think that we've ever come up with because none of us are funny. And I want our setting to be a comedy focused setting. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, like, I don't want it to be like cringe worthy, but I want there to be like, like Daniel kind of alluded to earlier, a Terry Pratchett level of like, punniness and silliness and like fun like that where it's like mm -hmm. more lighthearted more fun and i think that Discworld is like a good kind of like baseline for where we are in this particular thing yeah definitely i think it works with like the the stuff that we've got already like with the, the cryptid bake-off and things like that i think it all we can amplify that even more oh yeah Oh yeah, I, I think that where where we're going here is is working remarkably well so far. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I just want to so I want to make sure I have these factors in play so far. So we've we've got this world moving through time on a clock face. We're mm -hmm. focusing on a small slice of life kind of. You said Jane Austen style. Yeah, yeah, like that kind of romantic element to it. But yeah, and people that are kind of like the living their leisure existence, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the but the principal characters are not human, right? Correct. But cryptids. Okay, cryptids. and, and yes. so the when you say cryptids, you you mean like the orcs and the the non humans, basically, right? No, 
No, no. I mean cryptids as in like um like folklore monsters. So like mm-hmm. specifically um it would be stuff like the Jersey Devil. It would be stuff like mm-hmm. Bigfoot. It would be a skunk ape, for example. Mossman. But these are the these are the principal characters, right? These are the principal mm-hmm. characters. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. Yes, Dan. Okay. Well I was trying to square is because you said like uh Jane Austen as an orc. So would an orc count as one of them? Or are they separate? Oh, because that was an example that I gave before of just the vibe of like an orcish Elizabeth Bennett. Right. But it could be oh, like a, okay. a chupacabra Elizabeth Bennett. Okay. So we oh we, we agree that the cryptids are the protagonists, yes, yes. essentially. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Okay. Sorry. I just wanted to get that straight. No, no. That, that's that's a good clarifier. <laughs> yeah. I, I even had it in my mind a little bit where like the cryptids are like, like they they even view like the elves, dwarves, orcs, et cetera, as cryptids in their own world. Oh, because like it, it's yeah. like, you know, like, oh my God, it's a it's a human with five fingers and he's only so tall and he's got pink skin, you know, like I think having that like weird subversion might be kind of fun, you know. And right. and also like when you can have Bigfoot in like Victorian gowns or like Yes. Like yes. come on. Enjoying like, high tea. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um I actually might as well say my second tenant now because it's also cryptid related. Hell yes. Um, I, I just basically just hadn't wanted them to get lost, which was not a concern, of course, now that I see yours. But um, mm-hmm. I wanted them rather than being like mysterious creatures that you only see out of the corner of your eyes in the wilderness. Like they are themselves small tribes and nation states mm-hmm. scattered around. Uh, so, for example, like a community of yetis in the Himalayas who might invite you in for some tasty yak milk or something. Oh, I think it's pronounced. I think it's called miyak, Courtney. Miyak, thank you, yeah. thank you. Yes, <laughs> I appreciate that. That's correction. an Ernest Scared Stupid reference, by the way. I just I, want to toss that out there. I know. Second. I remember those <laughs> movies vaguely as a child. <laughs> um, and and I actually do want to like to, more to like Daniel's curiosity i do want to point out like uh cryptids are more like what we would it's a weirdo pseudoscience but it's like things that humans genuinely believe exist in our current world so for example right like we know that orcs don't exist so that would not be a cryptid but there are people who are still out there who are looking for big feet who are looking for the Loch Ness monster, who are looking for Mothman and genuinely believe that these uh, creatures exist in our world. And so I wanted to to kind of take that and just completely flip it on its head where they are the norm compared mm-hmm. to like, rather than like some lost mystical or semi-mystical kind of animal or, or species or something like that. Does that, does that clarify things, Daniel? Oh, yeah, I know what cryptids are. I just wasn't sure um, whether we had like fantasy races being separate from cryptids and mm-hmm. whether which one were the protagonists. That's what I was trying to understand. Gotcha. OK. OK, good. I'm, I'm glad that we can. I'm glad that we can kind of sneak that in there. Um, <laughs> plus, I want to make sure that we have a more um, cohesive description of what a cryptid is in general. I think it's helpful. Mm-hmm. So. If if these settings are moving through time and this is still the regular world, how are we just like how are we setting this up? Like, so are 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 the cryptids and the other uh, fantasy races are they part of Earth's history in some way? Are they uh, alternate history? Is it not moving through time but alternate worlds? Like, how do we want to deal with that? That is an excellent question, Daniel. Yeah i I was picturing it as like they've always been a part of this world and. Like since the beginning, but somehow history has kind of progressed in a vaguely similar way, except we've got like steampunk and solar punk and all that um, in the mix. So they've like been there the whole time. Um, I'm not really sure how to deal with the the eras of time Mm. issue, though. Well, considering that Orlando wanted something that's more akin to like our natural time i feel like that we could kind of probably pick three eras and then shift between those three and like obviously if we were to flesh this out even further in another episode or like somewhere else then we'd want to like really drill down and see more eras in history but i think by focusing on three different eras in in time that helps us kind of narrow down our focus in terms of what we're talking about or what we want to talk about um and to kind of daniel's point earlier I want to make sure that we understand that this is like an alternate timeline of history 
with like all of the fantastical elements that we've added in. So like just because mm-hmm. okay. it is the American plains and it's the, you know, Mongolian wastes, it doesn't mean that the history is is the same thing. I mean, I think that we should probably model our eras to be close to certain eras within, you know, the Earth's history. But I don't think yeah. that uh, we have to necessarily approach this like uh, the the cryptids emerged at X time. Like, I think we can say that the cryptids were basically the primary species and primary movers and shakers from day from, you know, the primordial soup type thing. If that makes sense. So basically like there, there's a mythical past that these things are in. Right. right. And we're right. moving. Mm-hmm. So does that mean if we move to other eras, they're not, it's not cryptids anymore. I don't think so. I think that um, like we're, we're moving a t- along a timeline rather than like between worlds. Right. So then this is an alternate history where cryptids are, are the predominant species. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. yes. Got it. Okay. And we're moving through its history. Across the correct, across the world. yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, so now I'm situated. <laughs> okay, good. No, 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 I'm good. I'm glad that you clarified because I'm sure that some listeners were a little bit curious about that. Uh-huh. As well. mm-hmm. Good. Okay, so Daniel, you have to hit us with your last tenant, don't you? I think you're the yeah. only one with one still in the chamber. My so I had originally had a different tenant um, because I didn't accept these this vague definition of what bread punk was. Um, but I tossed it out. I have a different one. My original tenant was, I wanted to say that bread punk does not refer to bread, but refers to bread as in breeding. And we could do something with cloning, oh, but gross. Uh, yeah. who cares? I like, I like the baking with, with uh, Jane Austen. That's, that's more fun. Yeah. Um, so while, when I, when I heard that, I thought instead there is a central point in this clock face that is uh, exempt from the time shifting or the era mm. shifting. Mm. And it is some kind of special city, like a Wizard of Oz sort of thing. Oh, is it, that's kind of fun. Is the cuckoo clock? Sure. And like the thing, the thing <laughs> pops out every time the era shifts. Oh like, yes, yeah. maybe they can that. see that. Maybe, oh, yeah. maybe they, maybe that clock is represented in each era in a different way. Uh, yeah. And but it, it's actually the clock at the center. Like so, like for mm. example, in an Egyptian period, it might be like I don't know something of the Sphinx popping out. Whereas in the Victorian period, it's like a cuckoo clock. I was thinking like sundial at some yeah, point. Yeah, I guess so, yeah, that yeah, would yeah. be kind of fun, you know. Uh, but yeah, I, I very much appreciate this for sure. Um, okay, I think we it would do us some good right now if we actually broke down the eras that we want to focus on. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now I have a very important question for y'all. Do we want to? come up with these eras or do we want to roll randomly on our world building sheet and then kind of go with a genre based on the random die roll? Um, I'm all for random rolling in this case. Daniel, how do you feel about that? I love random. Hell yes. (laughs) Okay. So we've got, we've got our random genre generator here. So I'm going to roll some dice and our, our peer or time periods will shift based on the genre. So let's see what we roll here first. All right. Our first time period is going to be cosmic horror. So when I think cosmic horror, I have to think call of Cthulhu and I have to think the 1920s. Does that make sense for everyone? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now we've got gangster Bigfoot and I'm like, (laughs) Oh man, I love that. So much. This is so, about playing to the trope in this case. It's like yes. it, there's no there's no if it's if it's a Terry Project kind of comedy, you want to lean into cliches and, and mm-hmm. Yes. I agree with that entirely. So this is like so so when when I say cosmic horror, we're we're really talking about time period here. In that it's like 1920s, 1930s era like America. So like I'm mm-hmm. I'm talking like big time Chicago gangsters. I'm talking like prohibition. I'm talking like Elliot Ness. Like that's where my mind goes. Does that, does that square with y'all or do you have something else in mind? Prohibition especially sounds really, really fun to do. Oh, you're baking illegal yeah. goods. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We gotta, oh, okay. The, Damn. Okay. Nail it. Yeah. You know, like where yeah. the whole baking thing. Cause I think as this shifts from time, there might be all this crazy stuff happening out there, but what it comes down to in the story is the, the social relationships at the table 
for the for the Jane Austen character because what the, mm, those books yes. are about. So yeah. so we've got those things to be in the periphery, like the gangsters, the the cosmic horror, but it comes down to that that recipe, and I think some exactly. of the prohibition is great because that centers it. You know, exactly. Yeah. I'm I'm so with that. Yes. Okay. Uh, next genre that is going to be a big shift for us is urban fantasy. So, I mean, that's basically what we've got now. Uh, but it's I would consider that slightly more modern. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, I would say it's like more modern, like 2000s-ish. Sure. So so we'll go. Oh, wait, 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 Courtney. Hmm? Can, can we do late 90s, early 2000s? So it's like Buffy era. I was going to say that. Uh, I can say like we yeah. could do either Buffy yeah. or we could do noir, but Buffy might be really fun. You know? Yeah. That works well, no, we'd shift between those two. So we'd shift uh-huh. between like noir and like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh man, this is so good. Well, if you did Buffy, <laughs> okay. what's crazy is in that one has, that has forms of crypt- cryptids show up in Buffy. Yeah, so what you, exactly. what you do is you have the characters be the cryptids. And I don't know, the elves are probably the enemies or the monsters, you know, like right. the, the human-esque things are. Well, know? no, we have the humans is one of those races that, that Orlando mentioned. So we'd have like oh no look out it's a human you know it's what i mean like they would be the monsters for this exactly yeah exactly i can see elves being the vampires because elves are pretty like Uh, yeah you know snooty Mm. what would humans be uh the lesser demon things like aren't they like there's like orc-esque things in buffy they're not quite vampires wouldn't that just be orcs then you could, could be orcs. Yeah, they could just be orcs. <laughs> you just said orc S. <laughs> it's like we have orcs. Barbarian. Too, maybe they're like barbarians, you know? Okay. Okay. All right. So, like, late 90s, early 2000s, like, that's where we're going for our, like, urban fantasy. And mm-hmm. then finally, for that final shift in time, we have sword and sorcery. Okay. Ooh, nice. Okay. Wow. This, uh, yeah, that those are all some really interesting ones. So, for me, sword and sorcery. That is probably going to be where most of our like really kooky, like steampunk, bread punk, solar punk stuff kind of comes from, right? Like where it's like, mm-hmm. I see that as like way more dark and magical than the other stuff. But I think that there is like, ironically, a theme of darkness in the three kind of like eras that we're going with here, right? Where it's like, we're we're just seeing like something that's a little bit grittier, but I love the fact that we're also f- focusing on like a bake shop and like bread punk. Like that's so much more fun to me. Um, yeah, I, I, I can see sort of the sword sorcery being more of a Conan and the barbarian. Maybe it's said mm-hmm. yeah. historic period um, between the two city settings though. What, uh, what's going to distinguish them? Like I imagine, imagine in the, in the, the Victorian one or that the Victorian, the, the 1930s, the yeah, the prohibition one is probably the closest to our concept as far as Jane Austen's concerned. Mm-hmm. But um the, the 2000s one, you know, like Buffy takes place mostly in the library or the mm-hmm. trains, right? So is like what are the micro settings for these? Because one I can see being possibly the prohibition bake shop, right? right? Another one, what is the second one? What is the prehistoric one? So I, I think that that's where we kind of come in and we we give a little bit of we we break it down a little bit harder because the I think the prohibition one is like so like easy to like just nail out like you're making illicit baked goods you know like for for whatever reason these particular baked goods are illegal and it's all about running like a speakeasy but for muffins like that kind of thing right right so I think that concept is pretty well built out. And I think that the fun for us is like, how do we take the baking kind of like slice of life stuff and apply it to these settings and make it interesting? What if we made just like one central location that all of that, like we follow through these eras? So mm-hmm. maybe it's a an area that's like eventually gets built into a university and like underneath it, oh, there yeah. are these like prohibition era kitchens where they're manufacturing these illicit baked goods and that's also mm. where the the like research uh, uh, library element can take place in the buffy era mm-hmm. okay yeah, i think that'll work you move so you follow the little setting across time yeah but it's so it evolves over time exactly yeah. exactly right and then we shift back and forth between eras as well and that can be like kind of like a fun way to see how that story is playing out between the three eras you know mm. and it could also be like a 
a floating city since uh oh yeah we do we do need to add those in you're absolutely right cities on balloons and boats and stuff okay yes i i courtney i completely agree with you on that one um do we well would we rather this a city on a balloon or a city on a boat let me ask you that Hmm. i i think i prefer boat because i'm imagining Hmm. like watching that boat shift in time and like it's a big paddle wheel boat in the 1920s. Oh yeah. And then yeah. it's like um like a modern cruise ship in like the 90s and stuff like that. And yes. then it's mm-hmm. just a galleon in, you know, like our sword and sorcery type thing. Like I think that watching that boat city shift would be kind of fun to watch as well. Yeah, I like that a lot. What's that like fable? Was it the ship of Theseus or something? Like Oh yeah, where it's like when does it stop being right. you know, Theseus' ship? The same, yeah. the same boat if you just keep rebuilding it and changing parts. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotcha. Although I think that with this, there's like a much stronger through line. You yeah, know? yeah. So so we have a city on a boat and it is a city of uh, of bread, right? Because mm-hmm. it's or, – or, or do we even want to do bread? Do we want to do some kind of uh, other baked good? Do we want to mm-hmm. have a baked good for each era? Like there are so many places where we can start. Daniel, you need to you need to rein us in here for the first time. Like, where do we need to go next? Please, please elucidate, <laughs> sir. I think we have to ask ourselves who are the. Maybe this is part of moving into the, the quest line, but we have to ask ourselves who are the principal characters and what do they care about. Because I think mm-hmm. I do I do think the idea of one recipe, one baked good that's really mm-hmm. important to a character will be interesting over the ages because you can follow their genealogy. Right. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's, I mean, but you also don't, it depends idea. on how we want to take it. Like we don't have to follow them literally through history. I like the idea of the setting changing. It could also be the spirit of the thing in each history. Right. So like, mm-hmm. for example, if you're looking at sword and sorcery, maybe, you know, it's in an old sorceress empire or it's in a cave or something. And it's not literally the granddaughter or the great, great, great descendant of the next setting it's just like the same idea but in that period so you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to literally connect through history if we want to just explore the same concept in each spot oh that's that's kind of the approach that i was taking to begin with yeah i think that's easier because i don't have to worry about the literal connection between the the three of them Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like it it makes me think of um what was the movie with um tom hanks it's based on cloud alice Cloud Cloud Atlas? Cloud, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never, I tried, yeah, yeah. I tried to read the book. I hated it, but <laughs> I, the movie I, I actually liked, um, and it explores the same concept across time, almost, and mm-hmm. not time, but across these different periods. I guess it is time, <laughs> and <laughs> but they're not like literally connected, sort of. That's what I. That's the kind of vibe I'm feeling from this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think that I think that what we're really doing here is we're giving Orlando three settings for the price of one, right? Uh, but exactly. we want to make sure that we're maintaining our focus on uh, slice of life bakeries, you know, because mm-hmm. I think what's what's interesting is that like none of us knew what like bread punk was, but it's also like we're so intrigued by it where it's like, yeah, that's going to be like the focus of what we're going to be doing here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how could you not with a with a name like bread punk just make up some weird stuff around it? Of course. Right. So I'm thinking that what we do is we make because bread punk is such an integral part of this that we make the bread punk central to the core of the idea of what we're doing, right? Like mm-hmm. we're we're following like bakers between these three eras and they're all in I, I think what we do is we unify them in terms of want and then the conflict kind of plays out differently between those eras, right? I think that if we had it so each three eras all wanted the same thing, then we can watch that trope and that, that kind of through line and setting play out with each one. And you could jump back and forth pretty easily because you're following. Actually, I'm just learning about this in, um, in my fairy tales course, which is the difference between form and content. So we're following the same form, right? But just watching it through Mm. different content and through different lenses of eras and stuff like that. I like I like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, that's like as a framework. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the framework allows it to happen, and I think that the slice of life thing works really well. So I think what we should probably do is at least come up with like a beginning, middle, and end for or or, or I think we need some level of structure, 
um, before we can kind of continue on with our setting a little bit, you know? Well, so what um, this recipe, this this bread recipe, Courtney, um, mm-hmm. to keep in the interest of keeping the scope small, um, I imagine it's cared about possibly because it has to do with this person's family. Mm-hmm. Maybe it doesn't have any kind of magical significance. It's just a very important, like, pass down recipe, right? If we could start there, then you have to raise the stakes. Oh, maybe mm. it's like a, a sourdough because oh, like you kind of like take from the same starter for that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like passed Ooh, down over time. Perfect. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. So this is like this baker is the last baker to not use magic while making their bread. Mm-hmm. And so in ver- so in the prohibition era, that is now illegal for some reason. Uh, you know, it's seen yeah. as like implicitly dangerous or there's something that's wrong with it. You know, like, what do you mean you don't use bread? You know, so like, that's why it's prohibited. That's why it's illegal, right? This bread is like outlawed and banned. But the thing is that this bread, despite being non-magical, is still probably some of the best bread that's out there, right? Mm -hmm. And then I I don't know why, but I've had the movie Chocolat in my head as we're considering this. And it's like, for those of you who don't know, Chocolat is like this romance movie where this, this chocolatier comes to this French village and then like through selling chocolates to them, like changes the lives of everyone in the village. So I'm imagining that we can have like a bread version of that, you know, you know, like something like that where we, we follow the baker, but we also get like hints of romance and, you know, class struggle and stuff like that through following them out. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Okay. Daniel, how do you feel about that? Oh, I think that I think that works. Um, I have questions about because we have to bring in his whole magic stuff, right? Like the elements. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder if perhaps um, the either the process of creating the starter or the magic is connected, and I wonder if that goes back mm. all the way to ancient history or something. Like mm. I don't know. Like I don't. How does I guess like, it would take a step back? Like how does magic factor into this? Like in the setting. That's actually a good opportunity too to bring up uh, our good friend C.R. Rowenson Clark. We had asked him for some tips about dealing with magic in the setting, and he had a cool idea about the elemental magic focusing on pollution. So like controlling mm-hmm. contaminated water, poisoned air, um, light polluted darkness, and so on. Right. And considering that steampunk is like a through line through all of this, that totally makes sense yeah. that you would be able to do that. So, yeah, I'm curious how we could tie that in um, mm. to this to this baking process. I think what I want to do is completely rescind my previous thought <laughs> about um, it being non-magical bread. I think I want to reverse it to where they're the they're using magic where everyone else doesn't in baking. Mm. Make it. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. in making it like the starter is magical. Right. Oh, yeah, like, the, yeah. so you're infusing magic, you're getting that elemental magic in there. Mm-hmm. And also, like, there's now like anti magic sentiment. Like, I think that's a far more interesting thought than having it be non magical. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if, if this was a world where, that was very well lived in and like we knew all about magic, then yeah, maybe a non magic would make sense. But for our implicit purposes here, I think that starting magical is more interesting than starting not magical. Does that make sense to y'all? Is um, is magic something passed down to this particular person that they used in their starter? And maybe it's outlawed during this period because it has other applications. Like I'm trying to think like, you know, yeah. I, I know this isn't like um, – about the Nazis, but say you have like, you know, <laughs> say you have like a, a group of people who have like a special talent, right? And they're being persecuted, you know, and, and this maybe this person's a member of that group because of their powers. Like that's it's not gonna be fun for a Terry Pratchett esque comedy. But I'm just trying to think like, how is the protagonist a member of a class that has, you know, the ability to make this bread, but it that's a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, is it a widely is this magic widely used or is it like restricted to a family or how does how does it work like where does it come from i think that that's kind of a fun way to look at it right because if our main family are big feet and like there there is a common kind of like trope or or or, uh connection between bigfoot cryptids and the land so they're using like natural magic to like hide themselves or 
you know, like what have you, like that's, that's something that's fairly common when we're talking about these types of cryptids. So I think it would make sense that there's a family of big feet out there who are basically bred shaman, right? Where they're able to, (laughs) you know, like take the pollutants in the world and, and like actually purify them to like the most delicious ingredients and maybe like their line, their lineage is like a rare one and they're the only ones who can distill it. And so that's why they get uh, there. Okay. I keep going back to the prohibition era because that's definitely my favorite. I'm thinking that like you could either have them sell illicit products or they're being pressured by the mob to sell like this hyper distilled version of like booze and like, mm-hmm. like, or you could have like a combination where it's like, there, there's just so much fun stuff that we can do with this. It's ridiculous. I, I mean, I like when you said that they have an ability to um, remove pollutants, right? So their, their power is like inherently good for the world, right? Mm-hmm. But it's being used to make the bread in the end. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or maybe eating, maybe eating the bread does something to oh. like purify you of pollutants or something like that. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Uh-huh. Like it's yeah, a healing maybe. bread. I like all that's of this, fun. but I wonder if we're expanding too far out. Maybe, maybe <laughs> like the world's problems are not our problems necessarily. Mm-hmm. So we know this about the bread, which is good. But how does it concern this particular line of big feet? The magic? The whole situation. Like, okay. was this recipe lost? Like, let's start, I guess let's start with 1930s because that's in the middle, right? Right. So, yes. Mm-hmm. So, so like, what is the problem? <laughs> what is the problem for these people, for this Jane Austen situation? Usually the Jane Austen situation is like romantic and mm-hmm. aspirational, right? Yes. So what's the issue here for them right now? Okay. Here's the deal. The baker is in love with one of the people in the mob. There we go. And uh, the people in the mob are trying to pressure the bakers to like either smuggle goods or like make illicit goods. Right. Mm -hmm. But the bakers just want to make bread. So like they're caught Mm -hmm. in between. And then there's the love angle where it's like, I want to fall in love with you, but you're part of this mob who's putting a squeeze on my family. You know, and like Mm -hmm. that's where the conflict can kind of come in. I like that. And and the baker instills their love to this person in their baked goods as gifts. <sighs> like that's how they communicate or something. She or she he or she makes it, right? They make it just for that person, even though they're yeah. not supposed to. Mm-hmm. 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 So how do we bring in the pollution though? Like that's kind of where, you know, like I'm thinking where we want to focus on a little bit. Yeah. Like maybe it's um the pollution that they're using is from like the gin mills that the mob is using or something like that. Uh, like the runoff or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's good. Yeah. 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 I feel like Courtney is the pollution expert here, given that. <laughs> and I don't think she's mentioned this on their podcast. Her thesis had to do with climate change. And yes, she has this amazing true. video she made that uh, shows how that has happened. So I would like to hear what you have to say on this. Um, well, basically pollution is bad and we shouldn't do Ooh. it. Um, <laughs> no. But no, I think there's like, I feel like there would be something that has built up over time in this area that's like leading to this current pollution issue, like Mm -hmm. something that maybe started back in the sword and sorcery era that they didn't realize was going to be an issue, but it's like Mm. kind of come to a head. And now something in this bread magic is going to help fix it or purify it. Okay, so I'm thinking that um, our sword and sorcery era causes the problem. We see it play out in our prohibition era, and then we solve it in our Buffy the Vampire Slayer era. Yeah. Can it be as simple as the, like a Lord of the Rings as naive perspective on industry? (laughs) I say that with some scorn, but like, (laughs) you know, industry really begins in the sword and sorcery period, but through the use of this magic to create civilization. Right. Mm-hmm. And the bread has always been there. And it is a way of a creating community, b expressing your love and c like purifying things. Mm-hmm. But the use of magic to, to create industry is just far greater machine like. And over time, it evolves into the 1930s. Yeah. And then it becomes yeah. the Buffy era. And it's a return to magic in the Buffy era that helps us solve the problem. Mm. I like that a lot. Oh, yeah. oh, OK. So 
the be- the beginning of the reawakening of magic happens in the prohibition era with mm-hmm. this like pollutant purification bread and like that yeah. kind of thing. And then the magic is at its strongest in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer era. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you you have yeah. the paired lovers in every setting. So in Buffy, yes. just like you have Buffy mm-hmm. and, and the vampire, you have the Jane Austen character or whatever she is, he or she is there. And the the monsters or the, I guess the elves, right? <laughs> the, the, the monsters, they're paired there. In the 1930s, they're paired as the mobster and, and the baker. And then mm-hmm. in something in the sorcery one, maybe like the cleric and like the barbarian warlord. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, how, let's let's make some tr- let's make some trouble then. Like let's go back to uh, I, I, Daniel. I want to point out. I love what you were saying. Like this naive view of industry, right? <laughs> I think that that is absolutely uh, a great like uh, theme that gets brought up in steampunk, and you know, like that that kind of like yeah, like a utopian view of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, or yeah. dystopian in some cases, right? Yeah, depending um, on the story. <laughs> yeah, very much so. So I think this idea that like, uh, so there's, there's so much I want to talk about here. Okay. So in the, in the sword and sorcery setting, this is the rise of industry, right? Mm -hmm. Let's, let's kind of approach it that way where maybe we're making bread golems that are like, start this industrial revolution, right? So you see the beginning of the steampunk era And then you see the consequences of that in, you know, our 1930s genre where everything's like really falling to shit because of the pollution's getting so out of control. Mm -hmm. And then in the 90s, there's much more of a balance, right? Because that's the resolution. Yeah. I feel like maybe it's moving towards solution, right? Right. Yeah. 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 And then actually that also works with our solar punk thing, because I think that's one of the tenets as well right yeah it was tucked in there it's bread punk steampunk and solar punk so i think that by separating the eras into more um you know into each sub genre punk i think that helps us as well does that make sense yeah yeah i think too like there needs to be like a move towards solution in the third story like it's not Mm -hmm. like we've achieved it it's more like whatever is happening in the Giles library is the means towards solving the pollution problem through the bread. Right. Mm -hmm. Through specifically through uh, their love story. Yes. Yes. Through their love story and the baking of it. Like, I don't know what that would look like. Maybe the elves have taken over. Sorry. Good. No, I just had an idea of like, maybe each of them has half of the recipe kind of unknowingly and they, they come together (sighs) and are able to like fully make it for the first time in years. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so are the elves yes. the villains in each one? What's that? <laughs> I could see like an ancient barbarian elf empire and then, you know, elf mobsters and then <laughs> elf <laughs> demons, I guess, in the modern <laughs> ones. <laughs> elf corporate suits, you know? Yeah, I was yeah, going to say it's yeah. Wolfram and Hart, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, Come Wolfram on. and Hart. Wolfram yes. Yeah. Yes, demon elf suits. Okay, okay. okay. Sorry. Let's, uh, do they have to be elves and can they be mothmen instead? I don't care. I think elves are funny because only because we know we have an expectation of elves, right? And so we're inverting that. Like elf barbarians mm-hmm. isn't something mm-hmm. you see very often. Yeah. I mean, maybe they have a collection of other. I mean, their I mean their companions have to be boring, right? In the sense of like not being cryptids, don't they? Right. <laughs> so, so what you're suggesting is that by making that the villains human, uh-huh. that it's actually funnier because it's like. The the tiny human is like trying to muscle in on like the 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 Bigfoot, the right? Yetis, yeah, and they're right. falling in love with the Bigfoot, like which yeah. is just absurd. That makes sense. Okay, okay, okay. Here here's here's what we got. Here's what we got. Um, in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer thing, I love Courtney's idea that we the two halves of the recipe come together. Right. In the previous two eras is where those halves of the recipes were written. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? So like we see that this recipe has been torn asunder and then they're recovered in the first two stories eras. I mean, yeah, it could be that, or it could be like the origin was back in the sword and sorcery time. And then it like got fully corrupted or changed in the prohibition era when the mob was like trying to sort of bastardize the baked goods for their own purposes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then, so then in like more modern times is when, the two halves come back together mm. fully. Okay. I like that, yeah. I li- I like that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I feel like we've like, holy shit, we've given you like so much with this setting already. Like there's, there's a so lot going much. on. Yeah. Oh, I'm like having goodness, trouble yeah. organizing my thoughts because it's like one thought starts and then another thought like pops up way over here. And it's, yeah, yeah, actually though, <laughs> like actually. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do appreciate, so like, yeah, there, there's a lot of really fun and interesting stuff. I feel like we could definitely go back and work with that pollution magic a little bit more, but we, we simply do not have time. Like mm-hmm. we, we really yeah. don't. So I think what would probably be best because this is a non-patron episode is when we roll our twist now and try and reconcile with the twist. Does that work for everyone else? Let's do it. Yeah. Great. All right. So the twist that we're going to be rolling with this time is, you know, that works uh, because according to this, there is no twist. Oh, all right. then. (laughs) I I think... That that actually works out considering how complex our yeah. setting currently is. Like that, that like if we were to add in like zombies or like it's a trap or like whatever other like there it, it could have just gotten out of control. Okay. Yeah. And I feel like we're teetering on the edge of it as is. Did we address each of our tenants? Yes. Great Good point, question. Daniel. Let's yeah. go back. Uh, Daniel, you started us. So where, where your, uh, shift between eras, I feel like that's kind of yeah, instrumental. That's the basis of it. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Courtney, what was uh, your first tenant was the, um, you wanted it to be the, uh, kind of Jane Austen slice of life bakery uh, vibes. <laughs> yes. And I feel like, again, we've, we've stuck to that. I love the slice of life mm-hmm. bit. Um, my tenets I did back to back. I wanted to make the cryptids the focus and I wanted this to be a comedy. I think that we're certainly more on the rom-com side of Mm -hmm. comedy, but I'm totally okay with that as well. We just need to add in a little bit more puns and, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah, stuff like that. That may, that may come in the execution of the setting, you know, which we're not doing here. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but again, I mean, if, if we want to throw in some gingerbread men, you know, some gingerbread golems, something like that, I'm totally fine with that too. I do like the bread golem idea a lot. Yeah. I, well, I, I say that and, and now I think about it. I'm like, well, also I think that the cryptids being like the primary like focus, it, it can lead to some inherent comedy, like kind of what Daniel was suggesting with like the humans being the villains and trying to muscle in on the big foot. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's like an inherently comedic premise that we can kind of roll with. So yeah, I think that works. Um, so uh, let, let's go back then. Courtney, your second tenant. Uh, that was the, that there are cryptids as like tribes, nation states scattered oh, around yeah. the globe. Yeah, yeah. We made that. We made sure mm-hmm. of that. And Daniel, your final tenant. That there is a central city that exists outside of time in the clock face. Okay. Because we haven't really done that. We haven't really done that. Yeah. Yeah. So I had an idea when you kind of re-mentioned your first tenet, which was like, is part of the solution in the third setting some way of like rewinding time so that they can collect the scraps of the recipe they need? Oh, I like that. Oh, because the recipe was lost? Yeah, like literally turning back the clock. That is the earth. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Um, How does that fit into the social dynamics of the narrative a very limited scope mm-hmm. so so we're, but we're but we're also talking about a share classic where mm-hmm. if i could turn back time <laughs> i mean uh, is it is it is and it their love as, is literally able to turn back time oh my god is it as simple as it doesn't have to be super adventure it could be like their love turns back time and they're able to like explain lore the previous location and grab pieces of the recipe yeah because i yeah. don't want to leave the bubble of the jane austen framework you know what i mean like no i agree maybe it comes from like interacting with the couples in the past too yeah there is a comic book series called i i believe it's called sex criminals oh yeah yeah uh you know what i'm getting at courtney but for those mm-hmm. of you who don't know these these two people find out that when they have sex with one another, they stop time. And this, rather than like using their powers for good or evil, they basically just rob banks and like <laughs> steal a bunch of money and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm thinking here that we can have a sexy baking scene where their baking together allows them to travel through time. 
It's like that scene from uh, Ghost. Yeah. From Ghost, exactly. But, like, but with dough. Putting, yeah, but yes. with dough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. Because <laughs> then we mm-hmm. keep it in the same in the little scope of the story. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that if we keep it between like a family lineage, that actually does help because you're able to travel back in time through your ancestors. And you mm-hmm. see this love story play out in multiple eras and stuff like that. And then maybe the first two don't work out for various reasons, but like in the third one, they finally get together. You finally get that cathartic release, both literally and metaphorically. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think that works, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I think that's fine. How can we tie in the, uh, the city at the center? Oh yeah, we didn't do anything like that. <laughs> maybe, maybe their love is what allows them access to that city. Maybe oh, it's like yeah. when when uh when they are baking together, they like close their eyes and they open their eyes, and it's like they're in Oz, basically, or they're in that city, and then they have access to the past. Yeah. And maybe like Yeah, maybe that maybe it's like they don't have to necessarily literally go to a central city, but when that happens, like it is accessible in their period. Like the cuckoo clock yeah. can be found. Mm-hmm. The sundial, the temple with the sundial can be accessed. And yes. that's where that occurs, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that works. Yeah, that, that totally cool. works. Holy shit, we're making it happen, you guys. <laughs> oh Oh, man okay um you know what's funny is that we normally do like a main quest line or something like that but we've really done that throughout this entire thing we've got that covered pretty solidly right okay i would like because factions in this world seem very strange to me uh so instead of a faction can we just create a romantic rival instead Ooh, yes (laughs) yes Uh, oh, and then and we could, maybe the romantic rival could be a snooty elf because oh, we want to have more snooty elves in this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so like the human lover is like obviously trying to bang the elf most of the time. But then in that third one, they finally fall for the Bigfoot <laughs> as they should. Mm-hmm, as it was meant mm-hmm. to be. Yeah. Uh, yes. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. So, so Daniel, you start us off. Who is the romantic rival in our sword and sorcery era? Oh, man. I'm going to say it's a um, powerful elf barbarian warlord who um, wants to impress this Jane Austen character. Mm. And she or he is having none of it. I, I think that I think that, Daniel, you bring up an interesting point, like unintentionally that we don't necessarily have solid genders for our, our protagonists or our love interests. I would love it if it like switches between eras. I think that'd be really oh, fun. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. 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 That's very, very cloud, cloud um, Atlas. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just think that it'd be really fun to watch them. Like if it, like, you know exactly who they are, you know, despite their genders and stuff yeah, like that. And then mm-hmm. in the last one, you're just rooting for them to get together and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I think it doesn't matter. Like we can switch and be more specific. Um, would you rather have an elf barbarian uh, like warlord lady or I mean, that's where my brain goes. Like I definitely want like a more Xena type than I want like a Hercules. How <laughs> uh, we could just, I don't care. Either one would be funny. Okay. <laughs> as long as gotcha. it's an elf. So- okay. Though if elves are immortal in the setting, what if it's the same elf rival and every single time? Oh, yes. That's that, okay, but that's kind <laughs> yes. of fucked up, though. Admit it. Yeah, a little, <laughs> little, bit, little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then they could be, maybe they have a fluid sexuality. So it's like, no matter how the person's reincarnated, they're in love with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you're talking about the elf being reincarnated? Well, no, like, so like if the elf is immortal and it lives through all these time periods, then they're in love with whoever the new incarnation of, of the love, the Jane Austen character is. So they must have a fluid sexuality because we're saying that it could be male or female in the future. I was even thinking that we could have the elf uh, love interest also be like fluid in their gender presentation as well. So it's like in in like the first time you see the elf it's like a it's like a badass very masculine looking you know kind of elf warlord barbarian and then in the um in the 30s they're like a uh like a femme fatale style you know like oh yeah yeah and like they're like a like gangster mall type thing Mm -hmm. yeah that is maybe in the present day they're like totally gender neutral corporate type like they're they're androgynous like david bowie types yes yes (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. yeah 
And I mean, yeah, I mean, elves are known for androgyny anyway, so it totally works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes mm-hmm. sense. Oh man, this is so good. This is so fucking fun. <laughs> I love this so much. Okay, okay, okay. And and Daniel, you're absolutely right. This person has an obsession with the love interest in every single one. You know, and I think that it kind it can kind of come out in like toxic ways in each like era, like in the barbarian one, it's like very violent. It's like very aggressive. And then in the gangster era, it's like a little bit more manipulative and subtle and stuff like that. But it's still like that core of obsession still exists, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe it even has to do with the bread recipe. Like they know that this person has it and they want it from them because they had a taste of it millennia oh ago God. or you're, something like they're that. They're the bread monger. Is this what you're monger. fucking getting at, Courtney? <laughs> oh my God. I'm jealous. I'm jealous of the bread recipe. Like that's their whole motivation. Yes. I, I think they can also have a that motivation. Maybe maybe that's what it boils down to is their love of this person because of their association with the bread. But I think they might also have larger ambitions because yeah, yeah. think Obviously. of like the noble, the evil noble character, right? Like, because if industry is the, the source of magic is what drives forward industry and it also generates the starters, I would think that if, if their empire fell into, into, into the wayside in the sword and sorcery period and mm-hmm. their corporate overlords in the modern day, clearly they've been driving something forward all along. And I'm sure that their Ooh. fixation, their love affair with this character is connected to their intent to move history forward through industry. Yeah. So, so this is the character that will, that personifies the pollution in the, yes. in the setting, right? Exactly. exactly. And, and I love that because it's, a toxic person embodying talk to- literal toxins in the environment. <laughs> yes. Maybe they're so, always smoking. Like it's peyote in the yeah. past. They smoke a tall, long cigarette as a femme fatale. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the present, it's like a regular cigarette, you know? Yeah. Or vape, you know? Vape. Or vape. Yeah, they definitely vape. Okay. Okay. So yes, loving all of this. And also they're obviously using that uh, smoke as a type of magic as well, you know, mm, because they're like mm-hmm. pulling the pollutants in their lungs and then they're spitting it out as something else, obviously like that. We got to do something like that. Um, here's how we, okay. We're not going to get too much more into detail with this, but here's how, you know, if we've created a successful romantic rival is that you'll have people who are fans of the setting and or story that desperately wanted the romantic interest to get together with that rival, you know, like <laughs> team Edward, team, team Jacob type shit, you oh, know, like, no matter how toxic they actually are, someone's going to look at that and be like, they should have been with this person. They should have been yeah. with the elf yeah. the entire time, yeah. you know, Buffy and Spike, like, yep. Yep. Compared to angel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man. Yep. This is it. <laughs> we did it. We got there. <laughs> great. We made bread punk a thing, you guys. We did it. <laughs> oh, is is there anything else that we really need to do at this point? I feel like this setting was remarkably successful. Yeah, I can't think of I feel like we covered all the big bases in the yes. prompts and all of our tenets. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess we didn't get too much into like airships, but I feel like that can just be a, that's kind of like an implicit, given, you know, yeah. kind of, you know, that's where you get the pollution from. Mm-hmm. You can even have it. So like the elf character like comes in on a, on a, or, or just replace some of the typical vehicles that you think in the era with uh, airships and paddle boats and stuff like that. And yeah. I think that works pretty well. It's window dressing, you know? Yeah, I like the idea of the elf always being like on some form of airship where it's like a very primitive zeppelin (laughs) and sword and sorcery thing and then like a very sleek modern corporate thing in the the Buffy era. Uh But but still like like just spews all this like all this like fucking soot and stuff into the air. All the time. From the front, it's like this beautiful thing, but like if you're in the trail, it's like, oh god, it's just soot everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a fucking diesel engine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I, I again I, what else do we have to add i i think i'm good here y'all yeah mm-hmm. I, I feel I like so. it's rounded um we didn't really talk much about the principal character but i feel like they're flexible and you can kind of put what you need into them we know they're Jane i Austen. mean if it's a romantic lead it's mo it's right. supposed to be like a blank face anyway right exactly so, yeah yeah well and there's some self-sufficiency about them there's some independence mm-hmm. about them Obviously. like that character yeah. you know yeah wittiness mm-hmm. all right yeah, no, this is this is great. Orlando, <laughs> thank you so much for such a yes, unique you. setting prompt uh, that 
prompted a very unique response. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Remember that if you want us to build your world, uh, like we did with Orlando's, you can always go to our website, uh, worldbuildwithus.com. And within a reasonable amount of time, after you follow the link and instructions, we'll build your world. Uh, go go on social media, at, at Let's World Build on Twitter, Discord, you know where to find us. And I, I have to take an extra long time to shill out the Patreon because, again, we love you and thank you for your continued support. If you want to support us or if you want to double dip on your prompt length or if you want episodes early or if you want extra patron exclusive episodes, go to our Patreon with a link in the description of the episode and just just donate money. We'll, we'll be there for you. That's going to do it for this episode of World Build with us. Remember that we love you very much and we're going to get through this together until next week.